Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, House Majority Leader, soon to be House Minority Leader. Kevin McCarthy on CNBC's Squawk Box yesterday talking about the sentencing memos released on Friday, all the discussion over the ensuing three days. Here's McCarthy's take. What did Schiff say before any investigation started more right. than two years ago? That he had along. proof. He has no credibility on either side of the aisle when it comes inside the House. Um, if, if you hire an attorney to deal with your issues, you assume that attorney is going to follow the legal bounds. If this is a um, campaign finance problem, how are members going to look at themselves as the number of their own problems of campaign finance, which is normally a fine? Are they going to leave office? I think it's a hyperbole of what they're doing. But what's going to happen here is their base is so ginned up that are they going to be able to control themselves in this process? But there's nothing there that's impeachable. Um, it's, from my standpoint of view, if they went down that road, they would lose for it's, one. It's but a politically, shot, they would lose as well. Leader, everything yeah, that they, everything you, you they've laid out, yeah. I think, builds the case that there's nothing there. You've had the House, you had the Senate, you've had Democrats on site say so there's nothing there. They want something to be there, but they, there is nothing as there. As far as Russia. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, I think at this stage, there's, you know, you have to be a fairly uh, tunnel vision partisan like Adam Schiff or Jared Nadler to believe you've got uh, much in the way of evidence to support a, some sort Russian of criminal collusion. activity associated with Russian collusion, uh, at least based on what we know from what has been publicly released. But there is this other issue of the Southern District of New York, which we discussed yesterday and we reviewed Andy McCarthy's comments over the weekend, his sort of bombshell comment that he expects Trump to be indicted based on his reading of the sentencing memo that emanated from the Southern District of New York as it pertains to this, these uh, hush money transactions. Yeah, they said that in court that the payments were made to Daniels and McDougal in coordination with and at the direction of Mr. Trump. President Trump uh, tweeting yesterday Democrats can't find a smocking gun. He meant to say smoking. <laughs> trying tying the Trump campaign to Russia after James Comey's testimony. No smocking gun. <laughs> no hey, collusion. He's, he's consistent. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's because there was no collusion. So now the Dems go to a private transaction, wrongly call it a campaign contribution. Uh, let's get uh, the take of one Andy McCarthy, the E.F. Hutton of the legal commentariat. And I'm not talking about uh, as copy editor for Trump's tweets. I'm talking about the legal matters. Andy, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning, guys. How are you? All right. Let's see if we have the smocking gun, I guess. Yes. Do you agree with Trump that there is no smocking gun with respect to Russian collusion? Yeah, well, I, I would have been shocked if there were. I, I really think that what's happened here is we've really been led on a wild goose chase, which, you know, I hate to be a broken record on this. I don't mean to make people's eyes glaze over and uh, close their ears with the legal esoterica, but the reason I thought it was important at the beginning here that there was no criminal investigation assigned to Mueller, that he was given a counterintelligence investigation, is they needed to identify the crime that he was allowed to look at in terms of Russian so-called collusion uh, in order to have any hope of keeping this investigation finite uh, and with defined parameters and what they should have assigned to him because this was the allegation that rationalized this whole thing was was there a conspiracy between the trump campaign 
and the Kremlin to hack <clears throat> Democratic email accounts, this cyber espionage conspiracy that uh, is discussed in the FISA affidavit, the, you know, for the FISA warrant. Um, if they had done that, I think what you could have justified saying is uh, there wasn't probable cause for that at the beginning, but at least they gave him something definitive to investigate. There, that conspiracy obviously isn't there, and he could have closed the investigation. Instead, they gave him a counterintelligence investigation, which is just an information-gathering exercise, and he got to continue to investigate uh, until he found something. He still hasn't found a crime, but we've now moved the goalpost from the original claim that they conspired to hack the election to what I think they're now moved on to, <clears throat> which is that the Russians tried to infiltrate the Trump campaign. They had several agents of influence who were in and around the Trump campaign, and Trump people were irresponsible in dealing with them. I think that's where they're going. Even if they could prove all that, it's all very interesting, but it's not a crime. But what about um, campaign finance laws that were broken? Did he violate them uh, in directing hush payments to Stormy Daniels and McDougal? Yeah, Amy, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I wrote this thing over the weekend, and I got some stuff back saying, you know, what are you doing to President Trump? <laughs> um, it's kind of like, you know, so it, it, it's like the weather guy says that it's going to rain today. They, you know, it's like you're in your house trying to make it rain. You know, mm -hmm. I, all I'm saying is looking at what they're doing there it sure looks to me like they're planning to indict him. And I can go through the reasons why with you if you'd like. I don't think there's a campaign finance violation here. I don't like the campaign finance laws for uh, constitutional reasons. Uh, I don't think they should ever be handled as criminal violations. I think it's much better to deal with them as an administrative fine. But if you're going to get down to it as to whether this is a crime or not, I don't think it's an in-kind contribution. And the way I would, would try to frame that for people is this. What they're saying is that these non-disclosure payments, and by the way, non-disclosure agreements are completely legitimate. They're very common in civil litigation. What they're saying, though, is that these non-disclosure payments for these private arrangements that, uh, that Trump made or that were made on his behalf with these women, they're saying that because of when they happened and the circumstances under which they happened, they're actually campaign expenditures. And therefore, he had to disclose them under the campaign finance laws as if they were regular contributions. And what I say is, well, let's turn that around. Let's say that Trump assumed that they were campaign-related because of when they happened in the campaign calendar. And as a result, he said, I think what I'm going to do is take campaign funds that have been donated to my campaign and use them to pay these women off. Mm -hmm. What do you think the Democrats would be saying if he had done that? What they would be saying, of course, is that he illegally diverted campaign funds for his own personal expenses. Well, right. So it seems to me yeah. – it seems to me that they get them coming or going, right? And that can't be a crime when they have you in that kind of a where if they put you in a situation where no matter what you do, they're going to say that you violated the law. Then what we essentially have is a a kooky system that should not have anything to do with the criminal law. Well, their case is so weak with respect to not only what you're describing, which is uh, as the Washington Examiner sort of colorfully uh, uh, analogized. By that logic, by the logic from the Southern District of New York, 
every dime Chris Christie spent uh, on diet books, stairmasters, and bariatric <laughs> surgery was a campaign expenditure. Um, you know, if it's mm. all about whatever in, whatever influences the election, well, I'm going to get in shape because I'm running for office. Well, that influences the election, so you have to report it. Um, the the other thing, though, is the even the timing of the disclosure in terms of impacting the election would, would have to have been disclosed before November 6th. And if I'm remembering the timing properly, it wouldn't have been necessarily had to be disclosed on FEC reports until after the election. But but even right. be, even beyond those issues, doesn't the Southern to, to your point about you think Trump's going to be indicted based on the uh, rhetoric in the Southern District of New York's offering? Doesn't the Southern District of New York U.S. attorney have to get a sign off from justice to move to indict the president of the United States or anybody else for that matter? Yeah, I, I must say, under the circumstances, I would think that they would have had to get sign-offs to charge these counts against Cohen. And, you know, because Mueller was clearly involved, which means Rosenstein, who was the deputy attorney general, is involved, uh, I, I would think they would have had to gotten – have they would have to have gotten sign-off with respect to him. But, yeah, sure, they would have to get sign-off from the Justice Department. You're assuming that hasn't already happened, right? Well, I'm assuming that hasn't happened, and I'm also wondering uh, what uh, William Barr's perspective is going to be on this. Well, if it if it hasn't already happened, I, I would imagine he'll get to weigh in if if he analyzes it as a strict legal matter, and he hasn't been forced to make any commitments uh, or induced to make any commitments in his uh, confirmation hearings about whether uh, he's going to have any involvement in that case or not. Uh, I imagine he'll look at it, and I, I hope if he looks at it as a straight legal matter, he will at least say that even assuming for argument's sake that this is a crime, if we look at precedent here and we look, for example, at the 2008 Obama campaign where there was a $2 million campaign finance violation, nobody doubts that these actually were donations, unlike the, the Trump thing where there's an issue about whether it's an in-kind contribution or not right but in the obama campaign where there were these two million dollars worth of uh campaign violations they allowed them to settle it by a three hundred and seventy five thousand dollar fine uh with the uh federal election commission and that the way this ought to be handled at best is that the justice department should stay its hand and let the trump campaign work it out with the fec well let's play it out the other way let's play it out uh, your scenario that there's been sign off he gets indicted then what happens? Well, he couldn't be indicted under current Justice Department guidance until after he has been um, after he's out of office. Right. So you can't indict a sitting president. Now, I've always thought that that was flawed advice, I must tell you, because the that protection is not supposed to give the president any advantage that you or I wouldn't have with the criminal law. It's, it's simply supposed to make it so that he doesn't have to deal with criminal proceedings while he's president. But here's the here's the problem. Uh, there's a five-year federal statute of limitations on most crimes, including these alleged crimes. Uh, if he were to, even if he weren't to win re-election, he wouldn't be out of office until 2021. Uh, I, I guess this is a 2016 offense. They probably still have a few months. Uh, but if he won re-election, the statute of limitations would have lapsed. Well, could you indict so him? I've always thought the guidance. Could you indict him and wait? Well, that's what, it, according as I understand the guidance, you 
you couldn't. And that's why I think the guidance is flawed. I think you should be able to indict under seal, and which stops the statute of limitations from running, and then unseal it when he gets out of office. But that's not what the guidance holds, at least as I understand it at the moment. Now, there's a busy day today. Manafort may face new charges today. Mike Flynn files his sentencing memo seeking no jail time. And tomorrow, Michael Cohen is going to be sentenced in New York, in your former Southern District. What? How much time do you think he'll get behind bars? I, the, the judges tend to go along with what the uh, prosecutors recommend. I think here his guideline range was something like 51 to 61 months, and they recommended a slight shave off that because of his cooperation with Mueller. So I think they're saying something around the neighborhood of 42 months. They're probably That's probably what he'll get. Uh, I, I want to get to your, um, I know you're, you're friendly with him, Jim Comey, since he testified again on Friday. James Freeman's right up in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, he describes uh, Comey as uh, presenting himself as unaware and incurious regarding one of the most consequential investigations the FBI ever conducted. He described how little he knew about the federal government's use of its surveillance powers against associates of the presidential campaign out of power and uh, assured lawmakers that the investigation was free, of course, of political bias. Um, and and uh, that's consistent with what Matt Gatz, the congressman from Florida who sits on the Judiciary Committee, he heard the testimony, uh, talked about as well, Jim Comey's selective amnesia. I mean, if you're a um, top lieutenant of incoming Attorney General William Barr, do you say, you know, as a, as a matter of course, and, you know, the concepts like equal justice before the law, whether uh, House Democrats want to continue these investigations started by House Republicans or not, we have a duty to go back and look at what happened in 2016 on the other side of the House, the presidential administration, as well as the senior leadership of the FBI, not to mention the Clintons. Yeah, you're always responsible for keeping your own house clean, regardless of whether Congress is having a look at it or not. But I guess if, with respect to Barr in this particular time, uh, I, I think the inspector general is looking at that and is going to be issuing a report. And what I would want to know if I were Barr coming in is, you know, number one, exactly what is the inspector general's warrant? You know, what, what precisely is he looking at? And then secondly, what I'd want to know and what we have very little information on is – uh, this guy from Utah that you that uh, Sessions yeah. appointed, yeah. Uber, what has he been doing? You know, exactly what has he been looking at? Does he have a grand jury? What's the status of that investigation? What's the ambit of it? Uh, so I'd want to know all of those things. And then I would consider whether there were any uh, sort of holes that needed to be filled, you know, things that uh, were slipping through the cracks that we needed to investigate. But I think he should start with uh, talking to the IG and Uber and find out exactly what they've been up to. Yeah, I'd like to know about that referral on McCabe, too, where that stands. He's right. a, he's Andy McCarthy, former chief assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, Manhattan, contributing editor at National Review, one of the uh, preeminent legal minds and uh, commentators on all of these topics. Andy McCarthy, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. All right, guys. No smocking today. No, smock, yeah. no smoking guns. Smocking guns. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey dot